Hello and uh, welcome to Leviathan News. It's December 15th. We're rolling into the holiday session. And it's just me today. DeFi Advisor is out traveling and so is Garrett as well too. We might have some guests to drop in later today, but we shall see. Yesterday was just havoc, honestly, as Ledger, manufacturer of crypto wallets, had their CDN compromised. It's like a supply chain attack on their Connect Kit, which connected to pretty much every single DeFi app that had added them. So be like Zapper, SushiSwap, Phantom, Balancer, Revocash, the list goes on and on and on. Anywhere, any dApp that you could sign in with Ledger was at risk for this attack yesterday. Um, there's also some claims from MetaMask that MetaMask itself was also at risk too, but I didn't see any uh, further reporting on that. It was really just a pretty unbelievable breach of security on the part of Ledger. So the, <clears throat> the hack itself came out early yesterday and within an hour it had been fixed. And, oh, actually, we do have somebody. Tarek is here today. What's going on, Tarek, sir? Welcome. Um, so, yeah. So, oh, hey, D5 Visor's here as well, too. Late joiners to the stream, but welcome, guys. What's up, guys? What's going on? I'm not sure I was going to be able to uh, catch it, but happy I did. And what a pleasant surprise to see uh, you here with Tarek. What's up, Tarek? Yeah, Tarek's, uh, I think, having some some camera issues um, that he's going to try to work through. But what's up, D5Visor? How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank God. How are you guys? Uh, I'm pretty good. Marked safe from Ledger, I can say. <laughs> <laughs> Thank God. How, um, but how, how can you be sure, by the way? How can someone be sure? Uh, is it clear enough? Well, I mean, unfortunately, with the, the Ledger stuff, I think that the... Um, you know, it's really just a nasty situation that that happened yesterday. Uh, what happened was one of the former employees who worked at at uh, Ledger was fished and lost access to uh, some repositories that, uh, or sorry, and the the attacker was able to gain access to some repositories sitting on GitHub uh, that allowed for this code injection. Um, and pretty much compromised all of DeFi. Like if you had signed wow. any sort of transactions using your ledger during that time period, you would have been at risk. Uh, it doesn't matter if you were like revoking contracts or doing anything else, like there would have been the ability to inject this malicious code into uh, the transactions that you're making. Man, this is uh, concerning in a way to know that uh, something like that can be such a big breach in the, in in the industry, huh? Yeah, unfortunately, the, the hackers seems kind of stupid uh, because for all the access that he had to, re really like all of crypto, everything, everywhere. Um, what? Yeah. A anybody that was using a ledger to sign any sort of crypto transactions was at risk for this uh, attack yesterday. But wasn't and it only if you uh, chose like the this pop-up that was before on the front ends? Wasn't that only uh, the risk factor or were there other stuff? 
Uh, so I think the inside of the code there was a uh, uh, the ability for the hat the the attacker act or uh, injected this this wallet drainer uh, that essentially if you signed it then you you would give him full access to everything in your wallet. Uh, the amount of funds that were stolen was only about one hundred fifty thousand dollars, which for the significance and the the size of the breach is pretty small. Uh, yeah. He also one hundred and fifty million, huh? Yeah, yeah, I know. I, additionally, like the the attacker took most of the funds in Tether, which Tether immediately froze. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't, I, I don't think the attacker was very sophisticated. It definitely wasn't the North Koreans doing this. Uh, it looks like somebody who didn't have a lot of experience and and wasn't ready for the the attack, uh, because it could have gone a lot worse. Wow. Yeah. So you're actually saying we basically really got lucky yesterday. Yeah, very lucky. So Matthew Lilly, the CTO of Sushi, was among the first to report the attack. Uh, they saw that uh, the breach had happened. And uh, this is really just a uh, really unfortunate. But when we when we look at, at, at Ledger, this is just the latest in an ongoing of, of just security breaches at the company which is almost inexcusable at this point uh, ledger has not had a significant level of security that it's been able to provide its users uh, i remember this year there was a disclosure of their entire email list of anyone who had ever purchased a, a ledger before uh, i know that people personally uh, that i know started receiving like spam emails, also uh, targeted emails towards them uh, because their addresses were, uh, names and addresses were disclosed. Uh, r really, really nasty stuff. Uh, people trying to go after them. Um, it was just a pretty incredible breach. And it's not the first as well, too. Ledger has had multiple breaches, and they have shown that as a security company, they've they've let down their users over and over and over again. Um, it's it's particularly bad at this point. And there's a, a tweet that I have here from DC Investor, essentially saying that like, well, it starts with Nick.eth, Nick Johnson, saying that uh, it's clear that Ledger has learned nothing about OPSEC from multiple breaches. And he said, at this point, I don't think anyone in good conscience should recommend using their hardware or libraries. DC Investor follows up saying that like, if it was just an isolated incident, that's that would be fine, but it's not at this point. And if if they were actually functioning as as a, a security company and a security firm or or had proper controls, uh, the CEO would resign. New leadership would conduct full top to bottom audit of the security processes. Uh, but we're not going to get that. Nobody's getting fired for this, and they're just going to release a hundred new graphic themed hardware wallets and change nothing. Uh, so but just it's it's a it's a really bad situation all around yeah that's uh quite insane i also saw that uh, like just like you say that it's someone that was already not even working within ledger uh, like they fish him from uh, uh, his home it, it's kind of incredible that uh, something like that can even affect the industry to an extent of one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. not to mention the fact that uh, like you say it could have been like maybe in the billions, man. Like who, who even knows? 
uh, with the amount of money that uh, most of us are securing on our ledger. Oh my God, here he I is, know. how handsome. It was worth it, Paris. <laughs> it was worth the wait, man. <laughs> Thank you, gentlemen. <laughs> it is it is good to be back, and 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 um, I'm sorry. I I I you know I I want to give the Mozilla Foundation lots of props, but sometimes <laughs> I got to switch back to the <laughs> to the gooch. <laughs> uh, so Tarek, I, I mean, I don't. You can be uh, very. You, you can you can give us a very like moderate question here, but the title of the show today is "Is Ledger the Worst Company in Crypto?" <laughs> Um, and and look, I don't, I don't, I don't mean this lightly either. This is this is just one in a continuing set of breaches of security at the company, which have led to uh, user funds being at risk or personal information being leaked. And it's not a single incident. Like if this was yeah. just a single incident, we'd wipe it off and be like, okay, like security practices need to change. Right. But there's right. been like multiple, um, there's been multiple times where the security. This is just a, a, a continuing. Uh, breach of, of customer trust at this point? Well, uh, it's hard <laughs> because, um, you know, uh, it's tough. It's really tough. Um, and I think, uh, um, um, I think it's because um, Ledger for us is a business partner. So it's very, very hard um, when Ledger is your business partner and gives you distribution to you know um you know hundreds of thousands of hardware wallet users by the same you know the same path so um it's tough it's tough yeah. um and so it and i know the the founders um they've they've invested in, in my companies so <laughs> okay well, well we'll take the we'll take the look i think it's a really high bar right like if ftx is the worst that has ever right been, right um, but but I will say that I've seen things that Ledger does that you know raise my eyebrows, and um, uh, they do seem to be you know um, there does seem to be sometimes a you know damn you know damn the you know damn the rabble will do what we want, and um, and I think uh, that to me has raised my eyebrow. Um, but also it's interesting that um, you know. It, what got you know what was impacted was um, essentially this connect functionality um, and um, again it you know I think it's tough because Ledger needs to make money um, you know giving people more access um, but at the same time um, you know it does not when it responds to security issue incidences or its security practice like you said I agree it's um. You just don't get the hey, you know what? We're gonna fix this. You get more the, you know what? Um, that's just how it is. And I think um, I think it's a posture, and I and and sometimes it gives me pause, um, and I worry. Um, and I will tell folks that uh, for your for your crypto, you want to look at the full range of hardware wallets. Um, do not just go with the wallet that you know um, has the shiny brands on it and has automatic connect. Find a wallet that is serious about security and that, um, yeah, doesn't doesn't compromise on this. And, yeah. Um, yeah. Look, I'm I'm not saying the security architecture inside the the ledger is dysfunctional, but this this I guess is just a a symptom of maybe bloat at the company where they're trying to do too much. Uh, there was a, a very long post in Lobsters. I don't know if you saw it like yesterday. Uh, Ivan essentially said it should have been a blog post. 
Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, it, it detailed what was specifically happening with, with Ledger, talked about the evolution, uh, said that like there had been this transition from like Wallet Connect v1 to Wallet Connect v2. Um, so the dApps could like integrate Ledger support without using ConnectKit uh to support like web3 apps mm -hmm. uh, but when wallet connect v1 was sunsetted uh wallet connect v2 introduced new advantages like enabling network switching within dApps uh, and then also using pairings versus sessions uh so like wallet connect has been like pretty pretty great for bringing on new users uh, but it also brought on automation risks uh, so like as dApps like started to widely adopt wallet connect v2 it pressured developers to implement uh, the V2 system and uh, and kind of sunsetted on the V1, <clears throat> which Ledger, Ledger had its Connect Kit in V1. Uh, so the the critical feature of the Connect Kit was that it didn't require DApps to specifically check for Ledger devices; they just needed to integrate the libraries. And so this made the the Ledger support more universalizable, but it also made it dependent on these on these libraries which we saw the attack come through yesterday. And, you know, it's it's pretty unfortunate because this this attack came through an ex-employee, right? Like this, this person should have had his permissions revoked. Also, there should have been more uh, visibility for these types of, of changes inside of their their libraries at like a, a core level. Like there should have been multiple people who, had, who should have had to sign off on uh, like a GitHub update to in, for this like CDN injection. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I think that they'll probably have to take a long look at their security practices as they did after the, the whole phishing scam or the, the phishing incident as well too. Uh, and hopefully there's some significant changes that are made. Um, I, I had a, like, I don't know if it's, it's a, um, oh, Hey, we got on Amplis as well too. Morning, sir. Okay. Uh, so yeah, I, I we'll we'll see if there's significant changes that come out of it. It's probably a wake up call for them that they actually need to uh, take a good look at at what their practices are. And it's not even the first like ledger story that came yeah. out this week that I wanted to talk about. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I thought you were going to say that, uh, like we said earlier, it's not the first time. You know, ledger has had uh, even uh, in the few years that I'm in the industry, there was stuff, some stuff with Ledger, like they've had a few uh, moments in which they could have uh, changed their practices a bit. And, but, but I think it's, it actually, uh, it, it signifies a bigger uh, issue, in my opinion, with the whole UI uh, UX. It symbolizes the fact that uh, this old system that uh, we're accustomed to is not the actual system that uh, the new users that will actually be onboarded and be most users they will not accept such uh, such practices you know it's too hard too difficult and still risky so people are not gonna do it. yeah it is kind of a setback um there's also the other story that i wanted to talk about this week was that rec builder came out and he had been going through like a, a version of ledger live and they have huge amounts of tracking code inside of their app um, i don't know if it's for like advertising reasons but uh, there's a ton of of trackers that pretty much track everything that you do with your ledger uh, as you're doing wow. it. Yeah, um, because you know uh, also the software itself it doesn't really give you all the data that you want from uh, your wallet. Like for example, I'm getting more info uh, when I use the bank than when I uh, use my Ledger Live app. Like it's not even uh, comparable. 
Yeah, I mean, it's such a it's such a strange business model, right? That you're like yeah. making these small uh, devices, but then Ledger's having to try to figure out like how can we build additional services on top? And it's it's I, it's a very tough business. I will say that I wouldn't want to be in the hardware business because like you're you're constantly at the threat of threat actors, uh, or even just like black hat hackers, like small time black hat hackers that are that are coming for you to try to steal people's money. Tough business. <laughs> Yeah, but also, you know, th this is one of the biggest companies uh, in, in the crypto space, like one of the biggest names. One of the first things you, you learn in crypto is what's a ledger and what's a trezor. And yeah, exactly. uh, at least in the years that I'm in, <clears throat> ledger uh, has a much better, like most oh. people that I'm looking at uh, have been using ledger, not trezor. I mean, I would probably recommend ledger for people that are that that are just coming in and want something easy to use. Like it's oh. it's it is a good system and they have great software. Yeah, I mean, in the Cosmos community, Ledger is the default wallet. Like, you know, if you're in Cosmos, the only wallet we talk about is Ledger. I mean, uh, you know, for security of keys, you have Kepler, which is a browser-based wallet. But before Kepler really revamped in a year or two ago, it was, you know, use your Ledger. So, um, so yeah, I know lots of folks who walk around with their, <laughs> their you know. <laughs> their, Do their you guys use Trezors or Ledgers? Uh, I, 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 I couldn't confirm nor deny. <laughs> I use any of these companies. <laughs> I, I use Ledger. I, I have a Grid Plus. Uh, I switched over a couple of years ago, and I've been very happy. I wonder how many people have used like all of these hardware wallets and can actually be like, oh, this one's better, this one's worse. I, I think it really yeah. depends on your lifestyle. Like if sure. if you're at home, um, this is not going to be a Grid Plus shill, but like if you're at home, then Grid Plus works great. Like you get to, it's got a giant screen that you can see the entire transaction that you're about to fire off. Um, and it's, but it's big and it's bulky and it has to sit on a desk somewhere and it's not something that travels well. If you're traveling, you know, a ledger or Trezor is probably the better option because it's the size of a USB device. I mean, I've used the Trezor. I've never used the ledger before. Mm -hmm. And yeah. like the Trezor is like, it's fine. Um, I, like I, I, like I haven't used the ledger before, so I don't know, but at least like Trezor hasn't leaked my information to the whole internet about yeah. like where I live and stuff. So that's a plus. I was them. Yeah, I know. Like the customer service. So good. They didn't leak all my, uh, my address to the internet. Yeah. Unfortunately, the Trezor doesn't have a secure element in it. And that's one of the reasons that, uh, I think people choose the ledger is that even though Trezor is completely open source, they have, uh, there's a differentiation in the hardware, uh, between the two, uh, that the, that the ledger has. So again, it's a really tough business. And I, again, like there's so many, like, threat actors out there who are trying to just screw with you and your your hardware wallets that I don't know it, it's not the kind of business I'd want to be in but somebody has to do it and I guess they're all gonna, always going to take flack it has to work perfectly or people are going to be angry right yeah uh, and that's what we're seeing. and also I think the hardware uh, wallet landscape is gonna change like in the next year or two you remember we talked a few weeks ago uh, with uh, a wallet company I'm not even, I don't even remember the name currently, but they have a, like an innovative wallet, which is a lot uh, more uh, like uh, UX uh, oriented. Mm -hmm. And I think this kind of, uh, in a way, uh, duopoly that uh, Ledger and Trezor have, and I think uh, is at least in, in the last few years, uh, mostly dominated by uh, Ledger. I really think uh, there's a good chance that this is going to change when the massive onboarding actually comes and people are going to come with a whole new like set of demands and standards and practices. And I don't think it's going to last forever that uh, 
that every crypto user is going to have a ledger almost. Yeah, hopefully everything just moves to account abstracted and we figure out how to have like, I don't know, biometric security. Hey man, uh, Worldcoin yeah. World is coming for your eyeballs <laughs> yeah. and your logins. They're going to be coming for your private keys next. Let's I'm, I'm just going to, I'm going to inject a RFD nano chip into my, into my wrist and uh, right. <laughs> verification. I mean, um, you're I, saying that ironically, but at, like, maybe not like, uh, not like, not. Maybe it's the right, things, but yeah, yeah. I would definitely do some like, like, I don't know, cybernetic fucking surgery. To get like of, my private key would you put to it, my body. Would you put the RFD on your wrist? Um, yeah, like if it was somehow secure, right? Then I would consider it. <laughs> I, I, I guess you guys have not been watching enough versions of Saw. I, <laughs> <laughs> you, you guys don't even watch enough Saw movies. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> Any bodily implant is like... Yeah, yeah. Keep that ledger outside of my body. <laughs> That's right. Um, but, but I will say one good thing about this entire event has exposed me to a whole new uh, array of hardware wallets. Um, you know, I have been one of these default people. I, I won't say which ledger, you know, which, sorry, ledger, which hardware wallet I use. But um, I want to say I've been looking at SafePal X1. Um, you know, some folks I know who previously were in Ledger recommend SafePal X1 as, you know, sort of moving and doing some of the right moves. Um, so there's not a product endorsement. I don't, I don't own one. I'm not involved in the company. Um, but um, this little kerfuffle has really um, started me saying, hey, let's look at what are other people using that they're saying, hey, um, you know, this is, this is something, you know, folks might want to consider. Um, so yeah, um, and apparently, you know, um, the, 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 you know, the pro is here is that, um, uh, you know, it's audited open source, um, and, uh, the price um, is great. The price is, yeah, really looks good. And, um, you get, uh, you know, two or five backup. Um, so you need two cars to restore the wallet. Um, looks like it might be promising. So. Um, I, I didn't even know before today. I was like, who else? What are people using? Um, I didn't know Safe Palix one was something that folks are like, yeah, this looks like, you know, might be that pretty cool. In my opinion, people are, and correct me if you think otherwise for sure, I think most crypto users, at least on our uh, niches, are using uh, this year, I think they're using uh, Rabbi with Ledger. No? Yeah, people, have like been, people have been moving to Rabbi. Yeah. 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 We are. We accidentally uh, jumped into Rabi for testing, and now we're like fully like I mean we don't use MetaMask uh, at all anymore. Like where everything is changing over first for for Rabi. Um, and I was surprised. I had no idea about Rabi until this year, um, and my devs were like swearing by it for for in, for integration testing. Really. Uh, well, the right type of hardware to be in business with is actually phones. Uh, do you guys have a Solana phone? Oh, not yet. Well, <laughs> there's you know. it's sold out. I can't get one. You can't get one. You can't get one. <laughs> uh, so the Solana phone, which I didn't know, got a bonk airdrop. And the bonk airdrop is currently worth more than the phone itself. Wow. <laughs> yeah. yeah they, I think nice. it's worth like $900. So if you, cool. if, if you buy a $600 phone, you get a $900 airdrop. <laughs> Man. Wait, but people didn't know it in advance, right? Like they like, bought the phone and then they got the airdrop? Yeah, yeah. So like the, the Bonk airdrop had, had gone out a while back to these uh, Solana phones, but uh, they they had a, a bunch of unused inventory, which they hadn't sold. And 
the price run up of Bonk, people just figured it out like two days ago on on crypto Twitter that, oh, hey, like there's an arbitrage here for the Solana phones. So let's just buy it all out. And so now it's sold out, completely sold okay. out. Okay. <laughs> now I'm understanding what's all this uh, Bonk noise about uh, on Twitter. I yeah. saw this, but I thought it was something completely different. I didn't even uh, bother to uh, properly read it. I know. Right. It's, kind of, it's kind of crazy, isn't it? Because like, remember, the, the, there was a token called Bonk. Do, mm -hmm. do you know about that? Don't yeah, it's, bonk? it's like the big meme coin on... Uh, on yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, ah, Amplis, I got you here, and uh, I want to put you under the hot seat today. Sorry. Sure. Sorry for doing this. But Yearn uh, had a, uh, like a multi-sig issue and yep. um apparently there's some like scripts that happened some like one of the pools the protocol and liquidity had some big slippage issues um unfortunate hopefully they're able to recover those funds um but uh yeah unfortunate for yearn i think the the um you know those things happen i guess yeah yeah um i mean it's like it doesn't seem like it's that that big a deal it's like somebody messed up somewhere it happens all the time and so i think like like quote unquote DAOs are held to a much tighter stricter standard than like corporates right like it's a different it's it's almost like a different um level like you expect everything to go smoothly and anytime something goes haywire uh like oh it's all over it's well it's all over crypto twitter but like people fuck up in corporate like every single day right like you have banks where some guy fat fingers and like loses the bank like billions of dollars like stuff happens um but yeah with the urine thing i i, I don't know I, I feel like it's just it's fud yeah i mean nothing no, like, like, like urine like what yeah. are you gonna do like sometimes things sometimes people mess up it's but it doesn't seem like it's an amount that is going to be that significant to their overall whatever so like it's yeah. unfortunate but things happen can you guys shortly explain uh, what happened with you? Oh, they they fired off a faulty transaction with their slippage too high, and uh, it, it essentially like wrecked their their own protocol and liquidity position. So like the they had some LP and they they just set the parameters wrong, and it uh, they had huge amounts of slippage. I think they lost like seven hundred k. So wow. yeah, unfortunate. It happens, I guess. Um, I guess just put in more controls next time to. Uh, Make sure it doesn't happen again. Um, yeah, and I, I mean, honestly, there's always a balance between like going, like being a bit more efficient in terms of just getting things done more quickly, and then like having more controls, right? And like probably, I mean, this isn't a criticism of Rearn. Like, we're, obviously, Gearbox is very aligned with them, and like we work together and stuff. Um, probably, like in this case. It's a case of like because Yearn is like pretty big now and has like you said a lot of protocol owned, protocol owned owned liquidity. Like maybe for things like that, there should be a bit more process in place. Um, but again, like I don't think it's like in in the scheme of things, it's not that huge a deal. I think. Um, yeah. And and like they'll be fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's nothing. It's nothing protocol breaking. It's just an internal yeah. internal mis mishap. Yep. Yeah. But like people love to shit on Ethereum. <laughs> uh, you know, DeFi summer, De DeFi 1.0 coins. Like it's DeFi like, zero, like yeah, yeah. Wi-Fi was like the, yeah, yeah. the, yeah, the original like, the real OGs. Yeah. The godfather of uh, DeFi. 
In Especially since Solana's pumping. But Yearn will have its time in this market, I think. Do you think 2024 is the year of Yearn? I mean, we've seen some a few like comeback tours for Yearn. Uh, you in the, you in mean the token some? No, I mean in general, in general, like Yearn, like to so I think pre- in general they're doing some cool stuff, actually. They're doing some great stuff. They're doing some great stuff. Uh, I think it's just like to for Yearn to return is like the dom one of the dominant protocols inside of DeFi that that is really like uh, narrative defining in 2024. I kind of get that feeling that it's going to take place like with their new V tokenomic system uh, and some of the other strategies that they've been adding. I really think that Yearn is is definitely due for its moment in the sun again. I'm inclined to agree. I like I think probably not in the next kind of three months. But at some point, I think at some, basically like you gotta, you gotta like think in your head, what is 2024, 2025, like what's this bull market going to look like? Right. Um, and like, you got to figure like all the OG coins are going to pump at some point, the OG DeFi coins, cause it's been just disastrous for, yeah. <laughs> you know, even before the end of the last bull market, those coins were underperforming. Um, so in that sense, like narratively, I think there's room for it to catch. Uh, and yearn like yeah they have their they have their new tokenomics I, I don't exactly like I'm, I haven't looked into it so I don't know how they work but I assume that they're like well designed um, and then you have like v, their v3 vaults which are like should um, encourage more and more things to be built on top of it mm-hmm. so really what you need essentially is like yields to come back to DeFi and especially like to ethereum DeFi. And once that happens then it's like virtuous cycle once you're in that virtuous cycle, then people will be like posting bullshit about, I mean, not bullshit. It's like legitimate, but um, it's like bull market stuff, you know, where like, oh yeah, yields are up and urine is going to earn this much money and they, they will earn that revenue. And then they're going to be like, oh, it's a hundred XPE. Like, you know, threaders doing like fundamental analysis, like it stunks on urine. <laughs> but like at the, at the height of when yields are super high, cause like all the shit coins are pumping. And then like urine looks like it's making, I don't know, like a billion dollars a year, then then the coin will pump. Um, but yeah, we're just not there yet. It's gonna take a few months. Yeah. Can we okay? So I know this is a little bit early. Uh I'm working on my 2024 kind of predictions, and I have a few uh that I've been thinking about. But have you have you all thought about anything for 2024, like what we should expect or what you're looking to to see? Uh yeah, I think number go go up. <laughs> yeah, summed it up well. I think that's I think uh, what a lot of a lot of us feel. I actually feel that uh, ETFs are coming and a lot of uh, new money is going to enter the system in magnitudes that we haven't seen yet. And I do believe it ha- it's happening in 2024, but I have no idea what I'm talking about in general. You know, Any, anything for the DeFi space? Hey, here's here's mine. I think the the blast trade will probably be the it's a midway trade uh 100 yeah i mean why would you that we're just starting the bull market cycle and it's just like the most crowded trade and it's like your funds are locked yeah so all those people are sitting on the sidelines watching as everything i mean it's yeah i don't know it's totally mid-curve 100%. yeah so those three months those three months that you're locked up you pretty much miss all of arbitrum stip like the, the there's some pretty insane yields over on arbitrum right now for this short-term incentive program uh, like well into the hunt, like triple digit range, if you know where to look and, yep. you know, you're stuck in the blast contract making 5% on your, 
on your us on your dollars and then like three percent on your on your eth and i don't know maybe the apr for the blast comes out at like 20 to 30 percent but it's still like much less than whatever you could find on on our term at the moment or anywhere or maybe solana as well too with what's yeah. going on there i mean like basically right if you think about essentially like the blast thing is like partially okay you get your eth staking yields or whatever whatever it is they're doing and then you have like potential airdrop right um but when you're farming potential airdrop my under like not my understanding like logic dictates that like you want a coin that has like high potential to pump mm -hmm. and it's like very not crowded so nobody's paying attention and that's how you like like celestia for example is like a good example like i don't think that many people were really airdrop farming celestia that strongly because it's on it's like more of a cosmos thing so there's this there's this guy i met in turkey who like um he was like a cosmos validator and he got airdropped 100k celestia tokens wow. that's like like a million and a half now, whatever it is. Wow. It's like a million. It's like 1.4 wow. million. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, it's crazy, but that's what you got to do. If you got to be like, okay, which things are like, everybody's not paying attention to that yeah. also when the, when the token comes out is going to do well. And like blast, maybe the token will do well, but everybody was paying attention to it because yeah. literally everybody aped. So, you know, how, like what kind of FDV do you need to actually earn a good return compared okay. to other things you can do? So I think, yeah, I mean, I guess if you're like, you have a lot of capital to deploy, maybe it's like more of a, just an easy, like 30% on like a large amount is still quite a lot of money. But if you're like in the trenches and whatever, trying to make it blah, blah, blah. Um, I think it's, a, it is definitely midwit. Yeah. Do you see, you know, you know, you know what I'm very curious about the uh, 2024, to be honest, uh, about flex. Because I really think that Fox has a lot lined up. Like I've, I'm not been, I haven't been following it that closely, but I'm seeing some of Dave's tweet and some of what uh, you guys are uh, talking about, and it definitely seems like uh, something big is brewing in uh, Fox for 2024. Oh yeah, I mean, I would 100% agree. I'm just way too biased to answer this question. I mean, my I'm like beyond, uh, you know. Bullish. We'll forgive you, Sam. It's okay. We'll, we'll forgive you for being nice. Uh, no worries. It's okay to chill. Just just chill it. Uh, so in January, Frax Chain is coming out, which is going to be Frax's uh, brand new L2. Uh, they're going to move all of their current services over there. And then wow. um, I would expect like dApps to be deployed. There's probably going to be a perpetual DEX. There's probably going to be all the other services that we see. Uh, they have a new lending system coming out called BAM, which is Borrow AMM where uh, essentially they take Uniswap v2 pools and then they virtualize the, the swap curve. And then so then you can borrow out of the Uniswap v2. Uh, and then you're essentially borrowing against the, the constant K and not just borrowing against the like either either one of the, the values. Um, we've written about it a little bit on Flywheel, but I think it's, it's, it's kind of similar to what um, Balancer has with their boosted pools. But it uh, it is it'll just add a lending component onto any uh, Uniswap v2 style pool, which I think is pretty cool. Um, so you could have lending on a on a meme coin, right? Wow. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's pretty cool. Uh, That's not cool. Yeah, it's Frax ETH v2 comes out sometime next year, uh, which will provide like a dynamic interest rate market for ETH validators. Um, again, like my my this whole modularity. Actually, 2024 might be like the year of modularity, right? Like Celestia is just kicking off now. 
uh, eigenlayers coming sometime next year. Um, and so like as an ETH validator, like you'll make your 3% base, but then through restaking and, and other uh, modular applications, you might be able to raise that up to, I don't know, 20, 30, 100% even. Uh, so it might be the year of, of being a validator. Through That's going to go well. Yeah. No risk there. Restaking <laughs> for 100% yield. <laughs> it's definitely okay. How do you guys actually see like how risky is uh, what's been planned in your mind? I'm not technical enough to to actually. I think understand. with with eigenlayer, it's like it depends on what you're restaking in, right? Mm -hmm. That's the whole. That's the whole point. The whole point is like you can decide what to restake in, and things will have different risk profiles, and then like the yields will be higher or lower based on that, I guess. And like you can choose your mix of like how risky you want to go. But my worry is that like. Like you said, it's gonna be, there's gonna be some like hundred percent ETH pool, and like literally everybody's gonna ape into it, and it's gonna blow up somehow. And, and then, then everybody gets slashed. Yeah, and then and then like that's gonna bring the rest of us bring the rest of us down to like bring down the whole market a bit, kind of thing. That's the kind of thing I'm worried about. Like I'm also not that technical, so but yeah, my, under, my understanding of eigenlayer like it's cool. The problem is like you can't stop the apes from just aping like going all in, and so like there's going to be so much ETH in some of these restaking things that are like the more, like the most risk on ones that, um, especially in the bull market, like in the bear market, maybe people will be like more conservative and they'll, they'll actually think about like, okay, this one is 10% APY, but it's very, very safe. But like in the bear, it's going to be, it's going to be crazy. Basically. That's my, that's my take. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with that as well too. And it kind of breaks DeFi as well too, because like once you start to add on all these different slashing conditions to uh, your validator, it's very, it's almost impossible to lend against it. Uh, you have to set up like a very special lending market uh, that, that can like do a risk adjusted uh, scoring of all the slashing conditions that you have. I, I don't know. It's, I, it's going to take a lot of complexity to make eigenlayer work, both on the infrastructure side that they're building out and then integration into the rest of, of the crypto space as well, too. So I think it'll be slow going at first, uh, but, yeah, you know, it, it in its more kind of mature form, maybe in three to five years, we might see significant assets move into to restaking yields. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, to go back to Frax, though, like so the thing for me about Frax is like you guys are doing so many things. I don't know what I don't know what the narratives are anymore. Like, um, it's it, it like yeah. I, I like basically I can't keep up. Um, yeah, that's the that's the tough thing, right? And uh, yeah, that if if there's any two um, if there's any like two uh, like uh, how would I say this like knocks on fracks that you would give is that like. They're, the team is just so gifted that they just do so many different projects that it's it's hard to say like with one thing that this is what they're doing. But I think you could look at it as more of like an Amazon of of crypto, where you know Amazon just kind of like broadened out into building everything, yeah. uh, and was able to attract everybody into their into their vertical pipeline, uh, and you know it worked out for them. And I think that's the bet that Frax taking. Um, additionally, like. The, the Frax team is is like eight, nine people on the development side, uh, which is great. Uh, but when you start to get these bigger projects, you know, uh, there's you either, I, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's a really fine line to to navigate, right? Like how do you, how big do you grow the team before it starts to bloat? Because you don't, you don't want to have a team where you have like 100 people and 
the management is not able to keep eyes on on everything and uh, the bloat just starts to eat away your your product timelines and your and your runway and everything um i think it's incredibly i think it's incredibly difficult and it's it's the same for any project right like uh, it's just a you know sometimes you become a victim of your own success or you don't and uh that's the the needle that has to be threaded and it's it's incredibly hard to do but i have faith in the fraction that they can do that so i mean on the the team size thing i think like for me it's definitely better to stay lean oh yeah i agree yeah like it, i feel like past a certain point you add more people and you actually get less yes. effective somehow yeah yeah there's <laughs> there's there's a there's like there comes a point where you can add a team member and you get exponential growth within internally but then yeah. you add one more and you start to get bloat yeah. and and there's no real defined line of how many people that is it could be four it could be 10 it could be 20 even but there yep. does come a point where like any new person that you add into the project bloats and slows down the, the overall yeah, development definitely agree with that uh, like past and, a certain point adding a new person because you figure like if you're good at hiring you've hired like okay the, the five best people or whatever mm -hmm. 10 best people so like every person you're adding is like bringing the average productivity of the team down and weighing like you're like almost as fast as your slowest like rower yeah. or whatever like in a boat yeah and uh yeah i don't know but, but there's no but there's no way to like effectively like how are you supposed to look at yeah, it you can't tell what where, tell, where right? that line is yeah right i, like, yeah. Yeah. I think it's more about uh, like uh, organizational culture and chemistry mm -hmm. because it's not only there like for some teams they should be four people for some teams they should be 12 for some they should be 50. it's uh it's a lot more about in my opinion uh what's this what's this organization about what's the culture there and how can they maintain their own chemistry uh, and culture and values because sometimes I think as you grow you you let go of some of the stuff that uh, pushed you forward in the beginning and I think that the smart teams make sure that it won't happen to them and I think that in the case of Frax for example at least from someone who's looking from the side it seems like yeah the team is small but this team is so talented they work with hard such, yeah. with with, so, yeah. with such smart people that uh, you know we uh, Another team with 40 people can't do what Fox is doing with uh, nine people with all due respect. And this, yeah. and this talent was attracted to work for Frax for a reason. Like, mm -hmm. and yeah. as long as Frax maintains their culture and uh, their uh, way of working, I think it's the most important uh, thing to file because they're definitely uh, like for a project with uh, so few people working on, they're, they're tackling like the biggest issues on crypto and they really want to be like, uh, like just like uh, Sam just said, they want to be the Amazon of crypto. They they want to build something huge, and I think uh, they're doing something very interesting. We didn't even mention uh, what they're doing with uh, PayPal with POA. Oh yeah, but yeah. But I I think like you know I I don't I don't want to name any names, but there are other teams. Uh, you know, look, hold on. Actually, I want to take a step back here. Uh, I think that if if you're just building on chain, right, you don't have to have a huge team uh, because you know the contracts that get deployed. Um, you know, they can, you can, you can have a small team that's deploying really good contracts. Like it's, it's quality over quantity, right? Uh, we, there are other teams that I can look at, uh, maybe a lot of com like projects or companies that have gone bust as well too, where they just grow too fast. They try to do too much stuff. I mean, we've, we've talked about how, uh, some of these, um, is it like Hector Dow? Hector Dow was a great example, right? Where they had a hundred million dollars in their treasury or of TVL. And they just started like spamming off 
different ideas of what they could do. Let, let's let's get marketing with the German soccer league. You know, let's get a staff blow or let's get a staff burn of like close to two million dollars a year. You know, let's try to do all this stuff like before we have product market fit and it just didn't work and they blew up. So that's that's kind of the risk on the other side, right? Is that by staying lean and, and staying tight, you know, you can control your costs a lot more and you can stay very focused on like a single product outcome uh, rather than trying to have to like spam and see what sticks. Yeah. Yeah. So with yeah. Frax, when you say like, vision, you know, it's about the vision. Sorry, I'm blessed. Uh, yeah, I think no that uh, in the case of Frax, you know, Sam, Sam Kazimian had a vision and, uh, yeah. and and things started following. And I think that uh, when the vision is not strong enough, uh, it can be more, it can be shifted uh, too quickly. And uh, when you and when when you're already sitting on a big budget and a lot of money, you're mostly many people become more uh, like uh, more focused on okay, uh, we have a hundred million. How can we pay it to ourselves in the next uh, five years uh, with uh, mm -hmm. growing the team and uh, promising a lot of stuff? And just like Sam uh, said earlier, uh, you lose all your uh, PMF even if you had some. Yeah. I mean, the, like the, you could say the same thing for any project, right? It's not just Frax, right? Like every project has to go through this period of like growing and like adding yeah. new people on. Um, you probably, you guys have probably faced the same challenges at Gearbox as well, too. Um, and and the it, it, well, I guess I gotta say, and by the way, uh, Plus, I remember that you guys, when you were on uh, uh, Send It, pod, the, the Send It podcast with me and yeah. Roger had, you told us that you have uh, like, uh, I think uh, around 30 employees or like, uh, uh, not even 20. that many. Did you, did you say 30 or 13? 13. I yeah, say, that sounds about right. Not employees, DAO contributors. Yeah. Ah, okay. Apologies, apologies. DAO contributors, Gary. But I don't think I don't. Okay. So those things aren't even really like, uh, so those two things that I brought up aren't even really like bad like they're, they're not knocks, right? I mean, there are people, there are things that people would say, but like, I don't think they're net negatives uh, for the space, yeah. right? Like they'll, they'll continue to be positives until, until they're not. And right now they're still positives. Um, it's just people looking from the outside that may not have a good understanding of what happens inside the organization yeah. um, at the end of the day. And so like, it's, it, you know, uh, it, it, there's like unknown unknowns. Got it. like Donald Rumsfeld here. Of, of what you like don't know and so if you're just operating within the space of what you can affect then you know hopefully that there's good outcomes at the end so <laughs> yeah. yeah so when you say like frax is trying to be like amazon what you're saying is eventually i'm going to be, be able to buy a banana on frax oh yeah definitely yeah okay cool. <laughs> just, just making sure can i buy a banana on amazon uh you, probably <laughs> yeah. i can yeah no they have they have yeah, amazon fresh yeah, yeah that's amazon a thing fresh yeah, yeah. <laughs> um how is Gearbox right now? Good. Um, we're like mid deployment for V3. Uh, V3, we'll, like we'll start with just trading to begin with. Um, it's almost like a kind of soft launch or whatever. You know, like when restaurants open to just family and friends and like do a few nights. It's kind of like that. We'll yeah. keep it like a bit low profile, especially heading into Christmas, right? Um, cool. So pure trading first, which is just like, like margin trading essentially with real assets instead of like synthetic, fake, virtual, whatever, blah, blah, blah assets that um, aren't represented. I mean, basically like you hold the asset in your assets in your credit account that you're trading. Um, so like less platform risk, I guess. 
uh that's on the trade i wasn't i didn't come on here to shell so but um yeah it's a trading we'll launch we'll launch farming beginning of next year and then deployment to l2s and like the yeah there's lots of stuff coming basically yeah then you have a license to shield here yeah feel free yeah but we're gonna come on like next week to actually (laughs) (laughs) or or after christmas or at some point yeah will be great yeah well cool um that's a great place to wrap up on. Uh, enjoy the conversation today. Um, not, all the opinions expressed here are just our own. We, we don't we don't have any organizational opinions. Like, uh, you know, we, we like Ledger. We like Gearbox. I use it. We like Frax. We like everybody, right? Um, you know, there's just uh, unfortunate events that happen. We're say Ledger. And, uh, you know, we're, we're all here to see builders grow and, and prosper in this space. So, um, I think that when we critique the the events that are occurring or or things that are happening within different protocols or organizations, you know, it comes from a place of, of positivity and love and wanting to see the space succeed and not like just uh, complaining about stuff and you know expecting people to 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 do better. So um, definitely, that's definitely that's definitely not true of me. I'm definitely like rooting for some people to fail. Just to be clear. <laughs> What, what is it like others must fail so i can succeed exactly. it's, it's not enough that i succeed others must fail that's like my spirit animal how practical the, the, the pragmatic approach yeah. uh well perfect it's friday go touch some grass uh we'll be back on monday for next week and uh enjoy the holidays amen bye folks Thanks for having me bye right. thank you for coming man